0: Hello and welcome. I'm Dave Mertz, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for SYNCLEX Homes. And welcome to our latest in our series of podcasts. Today I have with me Tom Hardiman. Tom is our Executive Director of the Modular Home Builders Association, which is the association that really assists um, modular manufacturers, keeps everybody up on uh, the code changes throughout the United States, and Tom really is 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 quite an expert in the business. So welcome, Tom. Thank you,
1: Dave. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Oh, I, I appreciate it. But, you know, this is a little bit different perspective because it's really behind the scenes stuff that you know you're. I would say you're like an unsung mm-hmm. hero. Uh, that with the items that go along with our industry that a lot of people don't know about. So I know that you know, were a national uh, association. Simplex is a member of this association, but Tom. If you could, could you give me uh, an overview of of the uh, the association and what role that uh, that you pay, play in? Sure, sure, be glad to. Thank you. Uh,
1: the Modular Home Builders Association, or MHBA, we're actually the only national organization that is uh, exclusively dedicated to the modular home industry. So, it's all we do is uh, residential modular home industry. All we focus on. And really, to boil it down, what we do is we solve problems for modular home builders and manufacturers. And we do that by uh, addressing uh, legislative and regulatory issues that you guys run into frequently, um, and also by increasing the awareness and the value of modular construction. Um, so, so really, um, you could look at it as MHBA as really this forum where companies in our industry can, can get together, share best practices, learn from one another. Um, and but then, hopefully, we can all collectively you know help grow this industry
0: yeah i you know i I've been doing this for thirty one years, and I know that um, you know the our association started out very fledgling and then it it became it very strong, but after the recession, when things were very tight we we lost a lot of membership, both builder and manufacturer. And and we really are, are are in pretty good shape right now, and you know, can you explain the uh, the benefit that because we have two different people that are probably listening to, to our podcast, and and one would be the builder who might be interested in in becoming um, or getting involved in modular housing, whether it be Sim or, or one of our competitors, and the. The residential homeowner as they're trying to educate themselves. So, I, I guess for the for the residential homeowner that's thinking about building, how does the uh, the Modular Home Builders Association help them?
1: Uh, great question. So, um, you know, we've tried to um, create our website as a uh, free resource for home uh, potential home builders. Uh, there's a lot of information on there. A lot of articles about financing a home and budgeting basics, uh, as well as a lot of different floor plans available, whether it's Cape Cod, Colonial, um, plans that your, your companies and our, our member companies uh, can build and deliver for the customers. But it's really kind of an information clearinghouse. It's a way that uh, someone sitting at home can get online and get good information about the modular industry without necessarily getting the sales pitch from a, a specific builder. Um, and then when they're ready to talk to a builder, we can um, direct them to uh, you know a builder in their area and, and make that connection. But it's kind of an information clearinghouse, a way to educate consumers, and and frankly, a way to dispel some of the myths that have been kind of hanging around this this industry for years.
0: You know, and that's a great point because you know the one thing I I forget about because I'm uh, in the business is we we uh, we get a lot of information request sent to us from our website and you know you you'd be shocked how many people don't, don't want you to contact them after uh they send an information request because they right. don't want to talk to a salesperson so this is a, is a great almost kind of benign way um that somebody can do their due diligence before they they really start to shop
1: yeah we think so we've we've set it up that way so it's a no pressure situation plenty of floor plans available online, uh, lots of articles, lots of the home of the month so they could see you know everything from very small uh, you know thousand square foot homes up to you know I think we have eight nine ten thousand square foot uh, models on there as well so try to set it up in a way that's user friendly and you know no pressure we want people to become a little more educated
0: before they reach out and you know request a quote from a builder well and even even with the builders that are thinking about getting into building modular homes it's a great way they can educate themselves and you know after you're a builder in in our industry you know the association plays a key role in keeping its members informed about the, the uh, changes in in potential codes or things that that are regulatory, that uh, we, ta- we, we if we have to challenge uh, a specific state on what we might think is an unfair regulation. So, I mean, that's all the stuff that you do.
1: It is, uh, and that, that's really um, a bulk of what the association does. It's why the association was created. Um, you know, I've, I've been the director since late 2012, and uh, when we took over, uh, you're right, after that housing uh, crash, there were only a handful of members still involved in this association and and Simplex was one of those. Uh, And we've built it back up from three members to about 140 members today. Um, One of the big changes we made, uh, historically it's been a very manufacturer-driven association, almost exclusively manufacturers. Uh, We changed the name of the organization, we changed the website, we really went after builders um, as an audience uh prospective members and have seen uh pretty strong growth on the builder side of the equation and you know we think that just strengthens the the overall association.
0: Yeah, that, that that's so true, so true and 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 you're a a great uh, neutral arbitrator when it comes to the the different manufacturers because you know there was a time when I first got into this industry that the manufacturers didn't want to share any of their knowledge with each other. And what the association and you have done is found a way to bring those manufacturers together and and work in, in everybody's interest and not be so concerned with uh, proprietary information because, you know, if, if, if one modular manufacturer has a problem or new legislation comes out in a particular state, it's going to affect everybody. And, um, you know, just... My little kudos to you, because you you you're able to keep uh, all the players on the playing field going in the same direction.
1: well that, that's a good point, and really that's why an industry has a trade association. Um, and I think that's um, you know telling of our industry that we are maturing and, and becoming more of an industry rather than a collective of a bunch of manufacturers. Um, we're, we see all the time manufacturers willing to share their information and best practices and, and case studies, um, so that everyone can learn from what they're doing. I cannot tell you how many times, and you've been around, you know it. If if there's a, a bad story about a modular home, it not only affects that manufacturer and that builder, but it affects the whole industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, people tend to tend to say, "Well, I was going to build a modular home, but look at this one; something went wrong." So, that's out.
0: And, and, and one chance, and then 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 we're done um right, right, and so many times people don't they, they they and as you said, they need to understand the modular housing industry and and some people simply just do not they think it's uh a mobile home which that's a whole different animal in itself, and I know the marketing campaign that the association put together um uh, has has strived to to give clarity to that and, and what Modular is all about.
1: Yeah, we, we did. It's going back, oh, gosh, maybe four years. We created a consumer awareness program, or CAP uh, is the acronym we call it. Um, and really what we do is ask uh, our manufacturer members uh, to contribute $10 per floor uh, to this collective marketing uh, initiative. Uh, it's the only um, industry marketing effort out there. Um, that promotes the modular home industry. So uh, we get those funds and then we try to go out and, um, you know, whether it's online or radio spots or banner ads or what have you, uh, portray modular uh, in a positive light. You know, here's the advantages. Here's here's some case studies, things like that. Um, and try to, again, dispel some of those myths that exist out there. It's been challenging for sure because uh, once somebody has a preconceived notion of what a modular home is, it's hard to change their opinion. Uh, but what we're finding is there's a whole lot of new potential home uh, builders out there that, that have a favorable view of, of modular construction. and A lot of that has to do with you know, the environmental benefits
0: uh, from building this way. Well, I remember, what, again, back when I first got into this industry, the, uh, a, a major complaint from the consumer was you don't do a good enough job in trying to educate us what modular really is, and, and I think that's also done a great thing. So people can, you know, again, anonymously research the uh, the industry and decide for themselves uh, without sales pressure on them uh, if modular is for them or who they might want to to, uh, to do business with. So sure. anyhow. I'll get to you know, I'll ask you the one question that i always i've asked every one of my guests on the podcast is you know, with uh, the pandemic, how have you been doing business under the circumstances um and and then part b to that question is what indelible changes do you think will occur uh in our business as a result of the pandemic uh,
1: okay thank you uh the you know the trade association itself. Uh, we're doing fine. You know, we've benefited by having um, strong, steady leadership on our board for, for several years. And and frankly, we take a pretty conservative approach to our fiscal policies. So, you know, we have no debt, we have good cash flow to pay the bills. Uh, so the, the entity, the trade association itself is doing fine. Um, that said, the association really is nothing more than you know representative of the industry at in large and we know there's a lot of builders and manufacturers that have really been hit hard by this crisis and um, we may not feel that impact uh, in our office here until you know six months from now or a year from now when when we ask people to renew next year or come to our conference later this year so right now we're okay but we're we're still being um, I guess cautiously optimistic about what the future holds for us and, and uh, still being a little, I guess, conservative on on some of our spending, probably not unlike a lot of people.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, people were anxious to get um, out of uh, their their quarantine, and and some areas, you know, still face huge challenges, like New York City area and Long Island, and 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 areas in New Jersey as they try to work their way back into a bigger. Uh, uh, the bigger picture of getting back to business as normal, but mm-hmm. you, everybody, everybody that I know is was very anxious to come back, but is just still wondering and and and, and cautiously optimistic about the future. We know that there's a there's a big demand for residential housing, and uh, which kind of leads me into uh, another one of my questions is. You know, we're already getting reports from uh, from our builders that people are are, are leaving that the metropolitan areas, whether it's you know New York City or Philadelphia, and trying to look into more of a rural areas, uh, so they don't have the experiences again. Is is the association getting any feedback on that, like from the, uh, the request for information that, that that's on your website?
1: Yeah, a couple of things I'd like to touch on there. Uh, first thing is, during this crisis, our website traffic actually increased, and it's probably because more people were at home, more time on their hands kind of surfing the web. Um, but we also point out that, you know, in times of uncertainty like this, um, interest rates are still historically low, and real estate is still a very safe bet. So with, when, with all the other uncertainties, it almost makes sense, you know, now the time to, to actually buy and build. And, you know, I'm I'm a bit of an entrepreneur at heart. And I can't help but thinking uh, there's a lot of opportunities for people to do smart uh, decisions right now if they're willing to take a little bit of a risk and say, I'm going to go build my house now while rates are low, while the builders are looking for work. Maybe I can get a more competitive price. It would be very smart to do that if you're a consumer. We are, you know, we've nationally. I'm sure you know the stats. uh, We have a housing shortage in this country, particularly on the affordable housing side. Um, A lot of people equate that to urban areas and multifamily projects, but that's just not what we're seeing. We see it across the board. Uh, We've had um, commissioners from rural counties here in Virginia call us and say, you know, we have housing shortages here, and. How can we use modular construction to help address that? So it's, it's everything from inner cities to uh, r- suburban and rural areas that all have housing needs. Um, and they're not just looking for modular, They're just looking for solutions, housing solutions. And we think we can be
0: part of that conversation. Yeah, I remember when I first uh, started in the industry, it's the owner of the company said, you know, we, we don't build... Uh, we don't build any particular kind of house. We build shelter. And, and when you address it that way, you can, you can kind of cover the spectrum of, of, of building and not, not classify yourself as, you know, we build entry level, we build move up, we build high end custom, but we really, you know, we're, we are in the industry of providing uh, shelter for, for one and all, whether it's ownership or, or rental. And, um, it's uh, it's it's humbling when you think about it that way and and you can understand why you know, what we do is really considered an essential business they're providing homes and actually economic stimulus because uh you know I always heard that in 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 the economy the uh, car industries and and housing really drives the overall economy and it's important that uh that we're hitting in all cylinders so we can do our part not just for supplying homes, but uh, keeping the economy on board. Mm-hmm. Great. So, uh, you know, what? what is, is Tom Hardiman's biggest challenge in, the, uh, in, in your job that you're facing right now? Oh,
1: wow. Um, you know, I think our biggest challenge is, is really the same as it was before this coronavirus, and that is um, educating more people about modular construction. Um, from consumers to uh, new builders, uh, and really to policymakers that are, uh, you know, writing the rules and codes that we have to live by, um, educating those people about modular construction, and uh, like I said earlier, in many cases, kind of correcting misinformation that's that's been out there for a while. So, it's such a massive audience, and and to this day, I think you mentioned it earlier. You're still kind of amazed that some people have no clue whatsoever about modular homes and
0: modular construction, and it um, just means we have a lot of work left to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like we just started. I think modular homes have really been around since World War II in, in oh, earnest. It. Maybe even before that, because you had Sears with their craftsman style house and, and that kind of stuff. So it's it, it's not a new concept by any means, but it's not. A lot of people would uh, refer to it as a red headed stepchild to the. To uh, stick builders, and we'd like to think a little bit different, you know. Like they're 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 e- even siblings at least, yeah. Uh, but you know, but you know, another thought that I I had here in my notes was, you know, building codes. It, and to to our listeners, if you're a builder, I'm sure you understand. If if you're a residential potential customer who's looking into building, you know the the United States doesn't have a universal building code, and the states uh, can adopt different, various forms of, 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 the, uh, of building codes, but, which sometimes makes it a little challenging for a manufacturer. It's built into 13 states, but the, the industry is nationwide, and uh, so it can become uh, a task. To make sure that everybody is is up to speed, but are there any new building codes that are that are coming uh, that that would be worth talking
1: about? Well, there's there's I got to unpack a lot in that uh, that question. So there are uh, you know most states I think maybe every state builds to some version of the um, International Residential Code, the IRC. But like you say, maybe it's the 2012 or 15 or 18 version of it, or they've amended it here and there. Uh, so for your company building in 13 states, I'm guessing it's 13 different versions of the IRC in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it's not exactly the same in any one state. Uh, so you have the building code um, variables, let's say, and on top of that, we have a uh, state administrative programs that, that our industry has to follow uh, where we submit our plans, get them reviewed, get them approved. So there's a process for building a modular home in all these states. And that process is different in multiple states. So we have frankly, I think too many variables on the process side of our equation, um, not the product, not the home so that, you know if you want a custom home, you can have a custom home. But the uh, approval, the plan submittal, the codes, there's too many variables uh, for an industry that is trying to be more like manufacturing. Um, So that's where I spend a lot of my time and and our team's time is uh, working with those state administrative officials, trying to streamline those regulations on the front end, which could take weeks and add, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to your home. Uh, We're trying to clean up and standardize best we can as many states to to be synced up. So if you're building 13 states, you know, there's one way to get a modular home approved. That's the ultimate goal, no matter where it's. It goes, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of um, uh, policymakers to educate, if you will. But that is kind of the long,
0: long-term goal here at MHBA is standardize some of those processes. Yeah, you know, and and our industry is, uh, in many ways, is held to a higher standard than uh, building if you were building in a traditional site-built um, um, field. And, and I know that's an area that, that the association has long struggled to try to get a, a, a fair play on the playing field. I guess I'll put it that yeah.
1: way. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think um, historically we've always compared, uh, compared and contrasted modular homes to manufactured homes. Here's how we're different, you know, et cetera. And I think we've done ourselves a little bit of a disservice. We should be saying, Comparing ourselves with site-built homes and saying, "Here's how we're better than a site-built process," instead of better than a HUD code trailer. Um, yeah, I, I think I we agree. all think it's a preferred method. It's more environmentally friendly. It's more efficient. You know, rattle off all the points you want. But I think we need to step up and say we shouldn't be the redhead stepchild, and we're not equal to you. We're better than site-built, um, and I think that's the message we're going to start putting out there. Is it's time to get on board. Um, all these builders we know are struggling to find skilled labor, uh, find quali- you know, quality subs, electrical plumbers. It's just hard to find them anymore, and it's going to get much harder in the next five years. As we all yeah, know, young people are not entering the trades uh, to the level that they're leaving, the older folks are leaving. So I, I think um, it, it's almost inevitable that just just when we talk about infrastructure in general, we're going to have to move to more of an industrialized.
0: Process for home building, for schools, for everything. Mm-hmm. But true, true. Because you know, we when when we are are looking for, we're, or let's put it this way, our help wanted signed is always out because we will hire anybody that is that that's got qualifications. We'll make you know the old saying, We'll make room for a good person because right. that is a reason that that we're getting the customers that we are because. And the reason people want to do more and more customization in modular because the the labor force in field just doesn't exist like it used to. And and the educated consumer that that we get usually knows about as much about our industry as as one of our entry level salespeople because they have researched it and they the things like uh, green building and 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 H V A or the uh, Energy Star and things like that are important to them, and they know about it, and they want to make sure that you can do it, and uh, that that really does give us, you know, in a lot of ways, a leg up that we don't take advantage of. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. So, Tom, I think that's about all the time that we have today. I, I I really appreciate you taking time to join us. You know, it it might not be the kind of podcast for the um, for the consumer to sit back and, and go, wow, this is just riveting uh, information, but it's important information. And and everybody needs to know, you know, kind of, you're giving us a little uh, peek behind the curtain of what goes on in an association, a trade association that supports not only manufacturers, but all ultimately uh, is operating in the best interest of uh, the consumer, too. Absolutely. So
1: thank and I you I think for that. Completely riveting. So um, I do want you to listen to it. Uh, yeah, and we do. Again, we do have a ton of resources available, not just for consumers, but we really want to um, get that builder network more engaged. Uh, there's a lot of builders out there, modular home builders, that are still not members of our organization. And we just know that uh, collectively we can do a lot more to move this industry forward than we can if you know half the builders
0: are sitting on the sideline waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. The strength in numbers. Well, uh, I oh, Absolutely, absolutely. Well, for for our listeners that would like to get more information about the Modular Home Builders Association uh, website is, you know, of course, www.modularhome.org, and um, and you can you can send questions in that you may have. If you're one of those uh, people that, that doesn't want to be or doesn't want to approach a manufacturer or builder just yet, you want to do some homework that's the place to go get the answers so again tom thank you very much i I appreciate your time today and uh we'll talk to you soon
1: well thank you dave thanks for having me uh stay safe